Oh, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Uh, it's been a little while since I stood in here. We've had uh, Football Sunday and a guest speaker and just a lot going on. So um, felt like I had to start fresh and learn the whole sermon prep thing again. Uh, it's not like riding a bike, I promise you. So um, before I get started, I, I want to just take a moment to honor somebody. And this person is very near and dear to me. Uh, it's my mom. She's, uh, today is her birthday and she turns 97. So, yeah. Love you, Mama. All right. All right. We cannot forget those kind of things, you know? All right. We are, uh, we are concluding a series today that we started at the beginning of the year called Own the Vision. And in it, we've been going over the vision of our church and the values that guide the vision to help keep us focused to accomplish what God has called us to. And it's, it's important to refresh as to why we're here, what we're doing, what we're going after, and what we, uh, what we feel makes us unique. There's a lot of churches out there. There's a lot of good churches out there. But there's things that God has spoken to us that have made us unique and um, a specific vision and mission to go after. So we've been communicating that, and today is the last message uh, in that series. I do want to welcome our Facebook audience and um, I do want to apologize also to anyone who is used to using the notes in the app. They are not there today. Um, my apology. I can give you an outline of the message afterwards if you, if you need that. Um, but normally we have the, the message notes in the app. Um, so I want to talk to you today about, and there was no collaboration with the previous people who had a mic in their hand, okay? But I want to talk to you today about the most powerful force on the face of the planet, apart from God himself. Um, this, this, this force is so powerful, um, when, when activated, when used properly, um, it defeats the devil. It's, it's, it's more powerful than the enemy. It's, 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 in, it's used to engage spiritual warfare. Um, this force is used to make the world go round. And it's, it's a powerful thing. I want to talk to you today about love. Now this, uh, you know, I know it's Valentine's Day weekend and all that stuff. And, you know, I was actually looking, and I'm not going to talk about Valentine's Day, but I just, some interesting facts that I discovered. There's a lot of people that hate Valentine's Day. You know? And some people say, well, why would you need to be told to express love? I mean, isn't it supposed to be expressed every day of the year? And, and, you know, there's other people that say, well, it's such a commercialized holiday. You know, these, these card companies make a million. They make all kinds of money. And it's just, it just seems so cliche to give flowers and chocolate. I mean, come on. There's, a, there's better things to do than to express your love. And um, I, I realized, I thought, I thought Valentine's Day was an American thing. It's actually celebrated, I think, 15 or 16 nations around the world in one way, shape, or form. Um, but I'm not, I don't want to talk about Valentine's Day anymore, but it's fresh in our minds because 
it, it came. Whether we hate it or we love it, whether we had a great day or a horrible day, we, whether we want to forget it or cherish it as a memory, um, it's fresh in our minds. But today I want to talk to you about the power of love as it relates to God's kind of love. And the value that I, I want to talk about is uh, the value that we, we love the person in front of us. We love the person in front of us. And I want to take a little bit of time and describe what that means as a church value, okay? What does that mean? What is the culture that we're trying to create? What is it that we're going after? What is it that we're believing God for when we say we love the person in front of us? We love the person in front of us. Now, um, I say that understanding that in this room, there may be people that think about it this way. They ask the question, well, what does love really look like? I mean, does it, does it mean throwing some flowers at somebody on their birthday or giving, giving, uh, you know, giving some chocolates on some special day because I'm obligated to? Or, you know, what, what does love really look like? Because I bet you if we ask the question, a lot of people would have different answers in this room. You understand? So um, the, the reality is some of us may have grown up not knowing love. You know? And in our pursuit of that love that we never got from the people who were supposed to give it to us, we found ourselves that our pursuit, found, uh, or found that our lives didn't find the actual love that we thought we were pursuing. You know, sometimes we pursue love in other people that really take advantage of us, you know? You know, our parents were supposed to love us, and we, we go down this road pursuing love in people, and, and we don't find it. Uh, maybe we, we expected love in, in healthy relationships, family relationships, people who are a part of our lives, but for whatever reason, that love wasn't real love because it ended, you know? Uh, you know, I offended them, they offended me, and I don't talk to them anymore. And, you know, that's, that's not a great picture of love. And, and to compound the problem, we live in a world that's very chaotic, and, and people go through, like, uh, issues related to love, resentment, bitterness, hatred, anger, um, all kinds of things. And, and those are not ideal expressions of love either. Turn on the news. You see, our world is uh, like sort of a vacuum, a love vacuum. You, you don't see in the news the good stuff most of the time. You hear about murder and rape and hatred and, and killing and lying and racism and, and all kinds of stuff, violence. These are the things that dominate our world. And that's why what Jesus came to bring is radically different. It's radically different than the word we use called love. And, and just a side note, we love everything. I love Taco Bell. I, I mean, I love the Steelers. We love our cars and our, our hoodies and our, our clothes and our sneakers. And we, we, we just love people, you know. But what is really love? I, I think we get so confused with that. And then when we talk about biblical love, it's so opposite of what we use the word love for. Even in the Greek, there's like five different words used to describe love. And so our English, our limited English language only uses this one word, love. And it could be anything from Taco Bell to the love of my life. And, you know, they're not equivalent, okay? 
They're, they're not the same thing, in case you were a little confused. All right? Now, some people may love Taco Bell that way, but... So we need to be, we need to be careful. And, you know, when we talk about love, and honestly, things are not all that rosy in churches either. Because I hear people say, well, I love them, but I don't like them. Or I love them, but let me tell you about them. You know, there's bitterness, there's offense, there's gossip. There's things that really are not expressions of love, you know. And, and so why do I say this is the most powerful force in the world? Because if the church gets it right, it is the thing that changes the world. It's the thing that changes the world. And that's why the enemy works so hard to get us, like, we're confused about it. Well, I, I told you I loved you several years ago. I said I do, you know. Uh, you know, uh, I, we've, we've met young people, teenagers, young adults that have said, my parents never, ever said, I love you. And so there's this immediate uh, deficiency, you know, and we were made to be loved. We're made to be safe. We're made to know that, uh, that God is a, an expression of love and to experience that. So I say all this to say that love looks like something. Love looks like something. What does love look like? Well, we can look in the Bible to get some description of what love looks like. And in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 we see this description. It says this. This is how we know what love is. You want to know what love is? This is what the Bible says. And interestingly, this is, what, this is John, the one who, the self-proclaimed, the one who Jesus loved. You know? He says it probably three times in his gospel. He doesn't even refer to himself as John. He's third party. The one who Jesus loved. You know? And... And so, John, who knew love, please understand that description was not, Jesus loves me more than you. His, that description was, I, I know what love is. I've experienced it. I've encountered it. That same love is available to every one of us. So, this is what John says in 1 John 3.16. Not to be confused with John 3.16, okay? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John 3.16 is a a good description of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5.8 said God demonstrated his love. He showed us his love in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So we're beginning to see that love is sacrificial. Love is costly. Love comes with a price. You know what I mean? Love is not these small, miniature words that we sometimes utter to get our way, from, get our way with somebody. You know? Love, love is powerful. Love is, is earth-shaking. It changes the world. That's what love is. So love does look like something. So today, uh, I, I want to say, say it this way based upon what I'm trying to describe and help us grab hold of, if I love others the way God loves me, 
they will encounter God's love through me. If we're able to love others the way we've been loved, other people are going to encounter God's love through us because we're agents of God's love. We're, we're trophies of God's love. As we, as we sit here today and we've encountered that real thing, it's life-changing. And because of that, there's something powerful about talking about what you've encountered, what you've experienced. You know, no one can take that away from you. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, one, one time I preached, I, I had to come up on the stage with crutches because I messed up my knee playing basketball. And it wasn't long after that that the Lord healed my knee, 100%, you know? And you could tell me the Lord didn't heal my knee, but I'm going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> you, you understand, like, you, you can't take that experience away from me. You can, you can debate it, you can doubt it, you can criticize it, but I'm convinced 100% that God healed my knee. You understand? And, and so it, the same goes when we, when we encounter God's love, when, when this transforming, powerful love uh, seeps deep down into our soul and, and transforms us, it changes us. People could argue with you about this, well, God's not real, you know, oh, you're just imagining things. They could say whatever they want, but they're wrong, you understand? Because you're going to defend your experience and the fact that he's real to you to the end. And with that being said, we need to encounter that love, you know? We may have encountered it, but Christianity is not about something that has happened, you know, only because he is doing things, he has done things, and he will do things. Some of us are riding on the encounter from yesteryear, you know? And he's a, he's a now God, he's a real God, he's an ever-present God who wants to make himself known, you know? And we, as we press into that reality, he will make himself known today. Because his, this reality is, there's a freshness to who he is. There's... there's, there's uh, it's, it's, it's real today, you know? Um, and so when we lean so much on the past, we begin, we still, we begin to adopt things that really shouldn't be a part of our lives. This is, he wants to take us to a new place from glory to glory. He wants to show us new things and reveal new things about himself, you know? Because there's so much that we have yet to discover. Is it hot in here today? That's what I thought. I, I didn't know if I was just getting nervous or what, but it's, it's hot in here. All right. All right. So th- this is what I want to look at. I want to start, start by looking at John chapter 3. John chapter 13. Oh, thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate it. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Verse 3 says this, that Jesus knew, this is now the the scenario where Jesus is preparing to die, and the the account is literally happens the night before his death, and it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took, out his, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin 
and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them, wrapped around him. This verse is so powerful to me because it begins to speak about the confidence Jesus had. The confidence Jesus had. He, he, if you read verses 1 and 2, it talks about how Jesus wants to show his disciples the full expression of his love. But in that, Jesus now begins to take on the form of a servant. Here's God Almighty, born in the flesh, raised by a human mother and father, and he begins to take on the form of a servant. Now, if this is you and me, knowing what Jesus knew, that night he was going to be, he was going to be betrayed by Judas, and that night he was going to be turned over to the Jewish leaders. And that night, he, it was the night that he sweated drops of blood in the garden. Now, knowing what Jesus knew, you and I would be flipping out at that point. Our face white as a ghost. We'd be self-focused. We'd be thinking about ourselves. We'd be like, there's got to be another way. And, and thinking about us and taking care of us and, and carrying the worries of the world on our shoulders. Anxious, worried, uh, scared, fearful. But no, not Jesus. Here's Jesus. It says, and this speaks so much about his identity. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That's just, it just smacks of confidence to me. And that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. And because of this, he just knew his place. He knew who he was. He was confident in his Father. He had safety in that relationship. There was no doubts in his mind. And because of that, he could serve other people. You understand? But because of that, there was this safety. Uh, and, and the fact that that relationship with his father was stronger than any force that opposed him. It was the, the love that he sensed from the father, the supreme confidence in his father's love, was greater than any force that ever could come against him. And because of that, he confidently got up from the table and began to serve others. Now, can you imagine for a moment... Jesus doubting his father's love for him. Can you, can you imagine for a moment Jesus struggling, uh, insecure about his father's love for him? None of us in this room can. It, because he was supremely confident in that love. He was supremely confident. And so, you know, his, his ministry was not limited by the fact that, that someone made him feel unloved. Because do you know how many people made him feel unloved? I mean, think about it this way. In just a few hours, the very people that he looked square in the eye, that he healed, that he set free, that he loved, that he, that he cleansed from leprosy, people from towns and villages that perhaps he visited um, you know, where it says that he healed them all. Blind Bartimaeus could have been part of the crowd. I'm only imagining now, okay? Just bear with me, because I like to imagine when I think about the Word of God. But people who had an authentic encounter with Jesus, hours later would be shouting, crucify, crucify. 
That's crazy. So, so the insecurity that could have come along with that and the knowledge of that could have caused him to doubt the love of God. But God, don't you love, how could this happen to me? How, how you know, you're, you're supposedly a good God. How is this going to happen to me? I love people. They should love me back. You know, I care for people. They should care for me. Do you really love me? If, if this, is, this is happening, is this true love? Is this your love for me? And that's how many of us react. We, we doubt God's love. We struggle with the reality of God's love because things come against us. But Jesus, being supremely confident in who he was and got, what God had called him to do, was able to get up and serve others in that moment. That, that is just amazing to me. He, didn't, he, he knew he didn't have to earn his father's love. He, didn't know, he knew he didn't have to do anything for his father's love. And he could say on the cross, Father, Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That, that's, pretty, that's pretty incredible. And skipping down a little bit later in the same passage, verses 14 and 15, it says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I want to have the ushers bring the basins and the towel. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Have you, how many people have actually ever been a part of a foot washing thing? It is extremely humbling, isn't it? It's extremely humbling. I don't believe that Jesus was trying to inaugurate um, uh, a weekly, daily, annual ceremony in saying what we just read. You ought to wash each other's feet. I think there's power, that's powerful. I think what he's saying is, Service is going to be a mark of my children. Serving one another. You know? He's not saying don't wash each other's feet. But I think what he was trying to send, the message he was trying to send was that um, serving one another and going low, humbling yourself, is a mark of my kingdom. It's a mark of my kingdom. So, he says, you, ought to do, you should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. You see, to me, this picture says something very powerful. God wants you to feel so loved, so confident in his love, that you're totally free to serve other people. He wants you to feel so confident in his love, that you're totally free to love other people by serving them. Read that passage, John 13. It says that he wanted, he, he loved his disciples to the end and he wanted to show them the full extent of his love. And this is an example to us. This is an example to us. And so, um, being, for us, being secure as a son and daughter of God it's, it's such a powerful thing. It, it positions us to see other people's value and elevate them by serving them. And so what does love look like? Well, Jesus demonstrated love by going to the cross. Jesus demonstrated love by being of a higher position and humbling self, himself to go to a lower position to serve people. Taking on the form of a servant, right? Right? Serving people. 
There's, there's nothing too low. Jesus demonstrated there's nothing too low that his people, his sons and daughters, um, shouldn't, shouldn't do to love others. Really. Seriously. You know? It's easy to walk by the needs around us. It's easy to be aware of needs around us. You know, it's easy to look down on people that have needs around us. But Jesus' message is there's nothing too low that his servant, there's no place too low that his servant shouldn't go. I just had to make a rhyme, you know. There's no place too low that his servant shouldn't go to serve other people, his sons and daughters. Now, I'm, I'm going somewhere. 1 John 3.18. Interestingly, every one of my passages are out of John except one. 1 John 3.18, he says this. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Okay, so here, here John's telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that words can be very cheap. I lo- but I love you. You know I love you. The Lord commands me to love my brothers and sisters. I love you all. Just don't bother me. I love you. I'm not going to be there for you. I love you. Don't bring your problems to me. I love you. See, what, the message is that love is demonstrated. Love goes deeper than the words we express to each other. Love comes with some kind of action. That's what John is, is, is telling us. It comes with something. It's not simply communicated, it's demonstrated. This, this is the kind of love. Now that word love is the kind of love that it, it, uh, the Greek word for it is agape. And without getting too deep into the language, agape is described as the love, it's God's kind of love. It's the love that keeps giving. It keeps giving and giving and giving. And it's not limited by, I must not be preaching good, my wife's walking out. I'm just kidding. I had to mess with her a little bit. It's, it's the love, agape is the love that keeps giving regardless of response. It, it's, not, it's not love based on response. It's not love if you respond. It, it's I'm going to love, I'm going to give, I'm going to keep demonstrating my love regardless of your response. Your response could be positive, negative, negative or non, non-responsive. It doesn't matter because love is one-sided. It's unconditional. This is the kind of love that's described that God has towards us. He loves us unconditionally as sons and daughters. You know, there's nothing that we could do to make him love, love us less, and there's nothing we could do to make him love us more. This is the kind of love, agape. Um, it's a based-on decision to keep on loving, regardless of the response. And so love looks like something. This is why in the Bible, Jesus would say something like, um, you know, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison. We know Jesus wasn't in prison, was he? Was he in prison? And you gave me, or you, you, you came and visited me. And then his disciples asked him, well, when were you thirsty, hungry, or in prison? 
And he said, whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Think about that for a moment. You did it to me. To the person that you you care for. You're serving Jesus. You're loving Jesus. The Bible is just loaded with these examples of love. The early church, they, they took care of each other's needs. You know, love looks like something. It looks like something. I want to, um, actually, John, could you, John Wiley, could you come up? You wanted to share, actually, I asked you to share a testimony of what love could look like in a very, pra- grab that mic right there, in a very practical way. John, a few weeks back, um, came to me going through, you know, some things, and I don't know what detail you're going to get into, but, um, and people expressed love to him, and I said, man, that is amazing. It's perfect. So go ahead, John. Thank you for being willing to share. You get to hold, ah, let me see that. I'll just get it. <laughs> well, uh, about three weeks ago, my father passed away, and um, it was hard. He was in the hospital for a couple months, and, you know, we were going to the hospital every day, and really not able to do a lot of stuff around the house, and my house looked like a train drove through it after a couple of months of that. So um, when he passed away, everybody's reaching out, you know, so sorry for your loss, and, you know, talking about words are cheap. You know, sorry for your loss. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you, that kind of stuff. But one person texted me the morning of the wake and funeral And he said, is there anything I can do for you? And it was somebody from this church, good friend. And uh, it meant so much. I just said, uh, I haven't been able to clean my house, so the Daltons are coming from Ohio because Sherry's grandmother died. She's coming for this funeral and my father's funeral. And the house is a train wreck, and... I need somebody to, I I was going to hire a maid service, (laughs) and uh, and he said, I got it. Okay, I just wanted somebody to dust and sweep and put the dishes in the dishwasher, that kind of thing. Well, we went through the whole day of the funeral and and everything, and uh, got home late at night, and Scott and Sherry, we told them, go to the house, it's a wreck, but, you know, we'll clean it up later. So they left earlier. We got home and out about an hour after them. And I felt like I walked into a hotel room. The whole house. I mean, not just, you know, the kitchen and the... It was unbelievable. I I was so blessed. There was fruit baskets. There was candy on the pillows for Scott and Sherry. There was... It was ridiculous. You know, it was so above and beyond what I ever expected. You know, and that's, that's what love is. That's what it is. Thanks, sir. So some of us, you know, we, we struggle with our security of God's love, and that limits us from loving other people. You know, the Bible talks about um, how we're made in God's image and likeness. We're, we're made in God's image and likeness. And because of that, that, that just immediately places this high value 
that every person on the face of the planet has. It doesn't matter about, matter about their economic status. It doesn't matter about the color of their skin, their, their political persuasion, their, their beliefs. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they've been through, where they come from, or even what they're struggling with today. Because they've been made in God's image and likeness. And because of that, because of that, God loves them. If we struggle to love them, that means that we haven't got, gotten God's heart in the matter. You understand? It, it means that we need to spend more time with God. Because when we spend time with God, He changes our heart. We become like Him. We think like Him. We, we cry for the things He cries for. The things that are on his heart become on our heart because he's, he's asked us to be difference makers. So, so we exist to reveal God, who God is, how he is, the kind of, the kind of God he is, the, his love, how, how he expresses himself, what his character is like. So I want to say this. You have, we have permission to love people. We have permission to love the person in front of us. You don't need to ask God. God, do I need to love the person in front of me? Because every time he'll say yes, because he loves them. Who is the person in front of you? Well, in this setting, there isn't literally, for most of us, a person in front of us. But it's, it's worded that way because no matter where we go, where we find ourselves, no matter what we're doing, there's going to be a person in front of us that desires love, that needs love. The love of God. Do you understand this? Does, does, this, does this make sense? So um, here's just a couple ways to look at this. John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus says this. He says, this is still the same chapter we've been in pretty much the whole time. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved. Oh yeah, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Going back to how has he loved us? He demonstrated his love for us while we're still sinners. We were ugly. We were, we were you know, just caught up in sin and a mess and all that stuff. And God says, but I love you, you know. I, I've already taken care of that stuff. I've already dealt with that stuff. As I have loved you, so you must, you must, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The first thing I want you to get out of that passage is love is the distinguishing mark of a disciple. It's not power. It's not faith. It's not how loud or how good you can pray. It's not how good you can preach. Love is the distinguishing mark of a disciple of God. It says, he says right here, by this, by this, you, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, see there's, a, there's a witnessing for Christ going on without words. You understand that? We don't have to tell them let me, let me say it this way. Our telling them that God loves them is going to be cheap words if we can't love one another. It's time to, to raise the bar. Love looks like something. 
There's a person in front of us at any point in time. But it should start in the house of God. You understand? People, like, you know, I've had people say, hey, you know, I'm pretty, a pretty handy guy. I, I, I can do work on cars. Well, there's a lot of single women in this room that probably need some work on their cars. Or their oil changed. Or single men that don't, just don't know how to do it. You understand? Or married men that don't know how to do it or don't have the money to do it. Like, there's, there's house repairs. This is, love looks like something. Do you understand? It's not just the act. It's just not, it's not the act. Because I do want to clarify something. In 1 Corinthians 13, that's the, the famous chapter on love. But it says, you can give without love and it means nothing. Right? You can prophesy without love and it means nothing. So this love thing, it's not just, well, here's some, here's some money. It, it's, it's. This love is a supernatural kind of thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's the product of God transforming our heart. Like, it's impossible to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. Apart from the supernatural act of God working inside of us. Do you understand? And so we, we need to encounter that love. And then we need to give the love away. And some of us, you know, we, we get caught in... Uh, either experience it one time and thinking that's enough and not going after more, or we, we get selfish with this love and, you know, all we want to do is spend time with God and we forget the people around us that, doesn't, that don't encounter his love, the need to encounter his love, you know? So, so love is the distinguishing mark of the disciple. And frankly, there's a huge gap between uh, the church today and the church that Jesus died for in the area of love. So, so when we, let me say it this way, to the degree the church looks like this in John 13 is, is the same degree, it's the same degree that it looks like the kingdom of God. But to the degree that it doesn't, the church doesn't look like this, it looks like stale, nasty, old religion. And people don't want religion. People want real, authentic love. They want to encounter the love of God. And so it's up to us to, to pursue it, to experience it, and to give it away. I, I want to close with just a couple thoughts here. That same passage also talks about um, they will know. By this, everyone will know. This is one primary area of our witness to the world. Love is, love is magnetic. Love is attractive. And when people see love, like, wow, you guys care for each other so powerfully. I'll never forget Amy Gala. She's not here today. She's down in South Carolina. When her husband passed, um, and we, we had a funeral service here, and there was uh, meals, a meal out in the, the atrium after for everyone attended who attended, her family said, Wow, you guys, I am astounded at how good your church loves. And there was just this massive turnout of support and people who loved Freddie and, and just were there to support Amy in the process. And it was just, it was a message. It was a message to the people who are not a part of any church. Like, wow, that love is amazing. That love is amazing. So um, it's our witness to 
the world. It's our witness to the world. And, and we, go on, we go on to describe and see throughout the New Testament all different examples of this love. You know, because it doesn't stop in this room, you understand. It should be mastered in this room. But when, when the Bible says the greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, the implication is that you love yourself. I know that's a struggle in our world today. But Jesus speaks about this, this good Samaritan who the priest and the, the Levite walk by. Um, there's a, a man who had been robbed and left for dead. And there's this man, this good Samaritan that just stops. He stopped. He, he loved the person in front of him. Because we are called to love our neighbors. And that could look like a lot of things. You might have a horrible neighbor. You know, they might, they might annoy you to no end. They might be grouchy, you know, obscene. They might be thieves. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter. We're, we're called to love our neighbor. My wife and I, several months ago, uh, went to this restaurant. And it just so happened that the other night we were at this restaurant on Valentine's Day. We didn't make a reservation. It was my plan to go out for lunch when the crowds weren't crazy and just enjoy, you know, enjoy Valentine's Day together. And it didn't happen. So we found a place that we could go, which we had been at probably six months prior. And I saw the server there. And I said, Kelly, do you remember her? And she said, no, I don't remember her. I said, that was the woman that last time we were here served us. And, and Kelly had a word for her. And, and then we were just, she sat down at our booth. And we we're talking with her and encouraging her. We prayed for her. And she said, oh, okay, yeah. Anyway, the lady walked by so many, I mean, it was just a crazy night, busy night. All kinds of things happening in the restaurant there. And finally she stopped and she says, you guys looked familiar, but now I know exactly. I know exactly how I know you. She said, I served you guys in the front. And I remember you guys just, just sharing with me. And she didn't have the Christian words to put with it, but sharing with me. And I remember having lots of tears. And, you know, and she stopped. She's, and she, as we were leaving... She said, actually, she didn't say anything, but the look on her face was like, I'd like to talk to you again, wasn't it, Kel? It was like, I'd like to talk. It was too busy to do, that, do it in that moment, but we're going to intentionally go back to talk to her. That's, that's loving our neighbor. We, you know, going out and just being care, uh, just caring for people. Do you know the world around us is broken? And we have an answer, and sometimes we get so ashamed to open our mouths, but God wants to speak to them and demonstrate his love. So it doesn't stop in this room. It doesn't stop with our neighbors and our neighbors or anyone who we find in front of us. But it also doesn't stop with our enemies. Do you know that? It doesn't stop with our enemies. He says, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. They need to encounter God's love too. And so today, it's my heart and my hope that we would be the kind of people that are very intentional about fixing what is broken. 
There may be relationships in this room that, you know, someone's offended by someone, someone said something about somebody, or maybe you just try to avoid each other. And the Bible talks about love, the way Jesus loved us. It's got to start somewhere. You know, Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, said that if we have an issue with a brother or sister, we should lay down our sacrifice, like our sacrifice of praise, our sacrifice of giving, our beautiful words of prayer to the Lord are hindered by our issues with, in relationships with a brother or sister. And I just, I just envision it would be very, very powerful if we begin to work on things. That doesn't mean like at a snap of the finger, everything is fixed and corrected. But to pretend nothing's happening, to pretend there's no walls, no barriers, no offense... I just think, who are we deceiving? We're not deceiving anyone. The Lord wants to do something here. I believe that. But it's going to take us listening to what he said. And the first and most powerful thing he talks about is loving one another. Amen? Love each other. Love our neighbor. Love our enemies. Would you stand to your feet as I close today? It's not that hard. God, who can, who can I demonstrate your love to today? God, open my eyes to see the needs around me. God, help me to care for those who aren't cared for. It'll change the world. It'll change your world. Let's pray together. Father, today, Lord, even as I tried to paint, Father, a picture of what true love looks like, God, we know that you are the perfect example As Jesus walked this earth, God, he loved perfectly. He represented you perfectly, God. And so, Father, I pray for fresh revelation. I pray for our eyes to be open, Lord, to love like Jesus loved. To represent you well. God, to put aside our petty issues, Lord, and demonstrate the love of God. I thank you for what you're doing, God. I pray for complete transformation in this room, God, in our lives, Lord. We need you. We ask for that supernatural love to invade our lives, every area, God. And let us overflow with it so much that we can't help but give it away. I give you all the praise. We love you tonight, this morning. Love you this morning, God. You're amazing. And I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you.